You're listening to the Back Row Jet Show, part of the Back Row Network. Donald trying to extend this drive, throws off his back foot off balance, and he somehow finds Crowder. Tyson Tim has deflected, and picked up Mosey, he'll take it in, it's a pinch Jones has it taken away by Jamal Adams, and he is in for a catch touchdown. Reverses all over the place, and the catch is made by Anderson. Now your hosts, Tom Tuttle and John Eddie Jr., Welcome into another episode of the Back Row Jets Show. I am Tom Tuttle, alongside my co-host and friend of Fantasy Fuel as well, John Eddie Jr. Today, John, we're going to talk about a bunch of things that we kind of just, we, we got to talk. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, the offensive line isn't all that much greater than it was last year. I mean, this, yeah, it's better, no doubt. It's, it doesn't really help. I've seen a lot of people talking about, you know, Jamal Adams and all these other things. So I want to just touch on a bit of everything, kind of. And first, I want to talk about this article I read. I'm not going to mm-hmm. name who wrote it because I, I heavily disagree with it. But it said that the Jets are the second last ranked at the wide receiver position in the NFL. You. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, we've, we've talked where there's a lot of questions. There's definitely questions. We have a lot of optimism, and I have a thing on Denzel Mims when we get to him. But second to last, I mean, that's uh, yeah, just horrible. With what we got from Brashad Perriman from the Bucks last year when he got a chance to be the guy there, and Jamison Crowder being a very, very consistent slot possession wide receiver and a second round rookie pick. I mean, I don't understand how you can just like throw them second to last. I mean, at least it's not dead last, but that's kind of pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I think Mims is better than what people give him credit for, obviously, because he's better. He he improved our wide receiver core, which I wouldn't even have put us as second to last without Mims. I thought we were decent enough to where it wasn't that bad. Now that we have Mims, now that we still have, we have Perriman, and I think uh, uh, why well, I can't think of the other guy, uh, Crowder. <laughs> and now that we have Crowder as well, I mean, it, I think these three are going to be solid. There is still questions. There's no doubt about it. I'm not expecting them to be in the top ten for wide receivers, but I, I just I saw second to last, and I said. Here we go again. Here we go. Every single year they put they put us at these horrible records, horrible predictions, and we always outperform the predictions, but not by enough to where they actually take us seriously. So every single year they put us at these crazy, ridiculous predictions, and we never actually are that bad. Yeah. I've not seen us be that bad every time they make a prediction. No. But with – The Denzel Mims thing. I have to get it off my chest because I'm not trying to hype you up even more than you already (laughs) are for the upcoming season. Anybody listening, I'm sorry if this gets you too excited, but Denzel Mims says he loves to block. Now, that in and Mm. of itself doesn't sound like an exciting thing, but a wide receiver that loves to block along with an improved offensive line, which apparently we're going to get into again on another uh, tangent probably there. Mm -hmm. This means a lot for Le'Veon Bell. And why I'm so excited about 
Denzel Mims saying he likes to block is because Heinz Ward is a member of the staff now. And Heinz mm. Ward is very possibly the best blocking yeah. wide receiver to have ever played the game. And if Denzel Mims can learn what Heinz Ward did, uh, we're going to have some all of a sudden outside cuts from maybe even Michael P. Ryan, let alone Le'Veon Bell, something like that. And you're going to see Denzel Mims just up into cornerback or a safety. You're like, oh, and that is where the excitement is going to come from. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I don't know if that improves the uh, the ranking, per se, as far as wide receivers go. But, I mean, you don't get very many wide receivers that actually can block, let alone love to block. So I definitely like that. I didn't even connect it with the Heinz Ward thing at all. I mean, that's a very good comparison. I like that a lot. Um, but as far as predictions are going, the, uh, the, the one prediction I saw – recently was from a guy that I listened to a lot when they were on the Mike and Mike show, Mike Greenberg. Uh, obviously he's a Jets fan. Uh, we've known that for quite some time, but he had a little prediction about Sam Darnold that I'd like you all to listen to. There's no Tom Brady in the division. What does this season mean for Darnold head coach, Adam Gase and this team? Uh, first of all, I resent the implication that I can't be um, unbiased and impartial when it comes to talking about the Jets. It's not like I keep, signed Jets footballs around the house anywhere. It's not like I've got Joe Namath sitting back over here or anything like that. So obviously <laughs> my opinion on this comes strictly from a professional perspective. And that is that Sam Darnold is about to become the best quarterback in the National Football League. I, I believe that last year he had almost no opportunity to demonstrate what he could do in year two because he got mono. He was sick for week one. He missed multiple games. Second half of the season, the Jets were 6-2. and two. He actually played great. They've rebuilt the offensive line in front of him. He has a second year in the system, and he has a capable backup now in Joe Flacco. So I think it is clearly uh, the case that Sam Darnold <laughs> is ready to claim his rightful spot as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the National Football League. Now, I, I don't want to disagree with him there because <laughs> I like what he said. Um, he, that is obviously he is a big Jets fan, yeah. and so I know that some of that is a little bit to the extreme, but what he says actually makes sense. Everything he just said is everything I've been saying. And I absolutely 100% Sam Darnold will take a step up this year. I don't know if he's going to be top 10, <laughs> top five, or the best to play the game. But I, I just, I love Mike Greenberg. That's one of the guys I absolutely just love to listen to, probably because he's a Jets fan. And I like to uh, hear what he has to say, especially when it comes to things like this, making outlandish predictions and whatnot. Yeah, you and I are one of our favorite morning shows, if we could ever watch it, of course, you said was Mike and Mike. And that's probably right. because you're a Jets fan and I'm an Eagles fan and <laughs> Greenberg Jets and Golick was the Eagles. I'm like, well, yep. this is, it just felt right. You know, we both got <laughs> our teams talked about and yeah, I love the way Greeny talks about him because he can <laughs> make it sound very convincing, even though we yeah, know right. he is super biased towards the job, but he makes such a convincing argument. Like, you know what? I, I think Sam Darnold might be the best quarterback right. in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do love him a lot. Another guy that we've been, I've been loving and gushing over is Jamal Adams. And I just want to, get everybody else's perspective on this, not just my own. So maybe I'm a little off and maybe I don't, maybe I'm not thinking clearly about Jamal Adams, but I wanted to put a little poll on Twitter and I want to discuss that right now. And the, uh, the question was, what should the jets do 
with Jamal Adams. And the options were pay him. We need him. Trade him. It's distracting. Let's let him go after 2020. Or who cares? Let's just play. Which I... I had to put that one in there. I mean, some some people just don't care. Like, let's just play some football, um, which got thirty seven percent. I mean, right. that, I mean, that's pretty decent. But I think this certifies my idea of what Jamal Adams means to the Jets, because fifty two percent of the Jets fans and other people who probably voted on this said that we need to pay him because we need him, and I really do believe that we need him. Um, he is the best safety, like I said last week, in the league. If we don't pay him, what are we going to do at the safety position? It's just not going to be as good. I think he is a key to this Jets defense and a key to this Jets offense. I compared that last year or last week because if the offense isn't good, it ain't going to get better with a bad defense or an average defense. But if the defense is amazing, the offense gets that much better. So I think everybody pretty much on board with me. I'm a hundred percent fine with the, who cares? Let's just play thing. I think that's hilarious. And I love people that voted for that, but not too many people voted for let's trade them. It's distracting or let them go after 2020. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page there. Yep. I voted for who cares. Let's just play football. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm ready. I don't care who is playing, what team it is, where the players are. I just want some football. But I agree, Jamal Adams, he needs to be the safety that is entrenched in that defense. He just makes everybody better around him. He is so versatile. How can you let a guy that, that is that versatile that can play up yeah. on the line, that can play deep, yeah. that can make a play, that can force fumbles, that can strip the quarterback? How many times has this guy just taken the ball out of somebody's hands and you know returned it or at least got the yeah. the turnover? You you have to have that on a defense. He he's playing. I, I, I dare I say it because if he doesn't stay with the Jets after this year. <laughs> I will hate comparing him to one of the best safeties that I've ever watched play, but he feels like a new version of Ed Reed when he was at his prime. And that- I, I, that's not a bad comparison. I, it really, it really isn't. I've, I loved Ed Reed. Um, there's, I also didn't like him at times yeah, because course, it's just course. frustrating to watch. It was frustrating to watch that defense and be like, how is that defense yes. so good because they had fantastic players and Ed Reed was definitely one of the best, if not the best safety of all time right now in my eyes. Um, But yeah, Jamal Adams is a leader on that field. He makes a difference just by leading. He's basically a coach. Yeah. He's that's, that's all really comes down to He's, he's a leader. He's a coach. He's fantastic on the field. Speaking of coaches, let's get into a little quick discussion of what, um, Adam Gase has done throughout the year. This is another thing I want to get uh, off my chest. Uh, I've heard people, not a lot, but I've heard some people say you got to give Adam Gase a chance. He he he's got a new team. You know, he went seven and nine last year. All right, well, first of all, let's take a look at what his record is throughout his career, real quick. Doesn't have to. We don't have to lag on on this at all or anything like that. But his first year that he coached the Dolphins in 2016, they were 10 six. Okay. That seems pretty good, especially since the year before. I think they were six and ten or something like that. Okay, I, I like that. But then he went the next year with basically the same team, six and ten. So what's going on there? I mean, you just defleted the team that you had, basically in playoff contention, and now it's not even close to playoff contention. 
And the next year, 2018, you were seven and nine with the Dolphins. That's what led him to get fired by the Dolphins. Now, the Jets decided that, oh, this guy that's digressed and not progressed uh, with a head coaching position with the Dolphins, we should probably sign him. I'm okay with the signing. And I'm actually okay with the seven and nine record that the Jets had last year because we know what happened with Darnold with the mono. Right, of course. If if we didn't have Darnold have mono, we could have been nine and seven or we could have been ten and six. Who knows? If this year isn't any better, I, I to me, I just I'm sorry. I I just don't want him as my head coach. I haven't seen anything throughout his head coaching career that makes me feel like he is a quality head coach. His total record is 30 and 34. He is below 100 head coach. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the two years in 2018 and then last year with the Jets, he's close to 500. And the one year he's above 500. But it, when you have three back-to-back years that are below 500, and I know the teams aren't always fantastic because you got to find some a team that needs something. but And sometimes you just can't find the right the right coach. We could have went a different route with a different coach. I don't know. And I think I, I wasn't on, uh, uh, I can't remember who the coach now that the past coach is coach uh, McCarthy. Yes. I wasn't high on McCarthy at all, but when the Jets signed Gase, I was like, why didn't McCarthy? I'd rather have had McCarthy at that point. And I, I, I'm fine with Gase right now. If we don't improve this year and we go seven and nine or worse, this is this that that's it for me to say goodbye. Yeah, I was right there with you, rooting, hoping Mike McCarthy was going to be the next coach of the Jets. It would have been fun uh, living in Packer territory and then rooting for Mike McCarthy again as the head coach of the Jets. As far as Adam Gase goes, you look at the record, it's not great. It's not even good, in my opinion. <laughs> he inherited a Dolphins team that had some talent to it, and he got a 10-6 right. and six record out of him. Like, okay, well, maybe that's what the team is. And then 2017 rolled around, and partway through the year, he traded Jay Ajayi to the Philadelphia Eagles because he was a locker room cancer or wasn't doing something he wanted. I don't know what it was that was so bad about Jay Ajayi. He made the Eagles a better team and helped lead them to a Super Bowl victory after he got tossed out like garbage. Right. Everything I've seen from Jay Ajayi, he seems like a really cool person. Right. I haven't seen anything to where he's a locker or anything like that. The guy looks like he's a cool person. I love his accent. That's probably another reason I absolutely love J.H.I. because when I heard it for the first time, I was like, that's J.H.I.? (laughs) I had no idea he had that accent, and I thought it was really cool. But, I mean, yeah, he makes decisions on teams that just doesn't make sense or doesn't compute. Like, he didn't want Le'Veon Bell. Why would you not want Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I understand the the cost of Le'Veon Bell. Maybe you don't want that. But the guy is a talented player. Unless you really want to build your own team, I, I'm sorry, I don't think you can build a team that's that's got that amount of talent to where you can make it into the playoffs. You got to find team or find players that have the talent that can get you into the playoffs. And if you don't trust in like JHI or Le'Veon Bell or other people that I know that he's you know he's drafted uh, Jakai Polite, I don't I don't like these yeah. types of decisions <laughs> that he's made. So. That's all I really want to spend on that. I, I we got one. Network's got a question for us. It, it's okay, actually a valid it. question. 
He asked if the Coke snorting coach was on Adam Gates's watch in Miami, and I'm pretty sure he was. I don't remember if you remember all this, but yeah, we had that sure, yeah. Uh, coordinator or whatever who ended up, you know, getting caught on video snorting some cocaine or something. And we're just <laughs> like, what is going on? So if yeah, he lets that. that kind of environment, you know, take place on his team, that's not going to be good for the coaching staff and the players. And I don't know because I'm never in the locker room. I don't know how he conducts yeah. it, but he just doesn't seem like somebody who, I don't know, is, yeah, he's got the beady <laughs> eyes and all that. I just don't know what he is. I mean, he doesn't really portray a a big spirit type of person to where you can actually get people motivated. Right. That's just kind of where I'm at with him. The whole thing with him in la- last year with Sam Donald wasn't, you know, uh, taking control of the offense because he was afraid that he couldn't because, you know, Gase was putting these plays out. Now some of that's on Darnold, but some of that's on the fact that maybe he's not connecting with the players the way he should. So I I have a little bit of a problem with Gase and then maybe I can be proved wrong this year and we Mm. make the playoffs and we do well. I hope so. Prove me wrong, Gase, but that's all I want to talk about. This is where, this is the meat of the show right here because I got, I, I saw it was only one person. I'll be honest. The only one person that said this uh, does does the does the offensive line that we got now the better offensive line. Yeah, sure, it helps a little bit, but it's probably not going to help us that much. We're still going to lose a lot of games. Blah 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 blah. I I'm sorry. What does the offensive line really help? Is that the question you're asking right now? <laughs> I want to I want to take you through a few offensive lines. Just give me a few minutes. In the late 90s, the Broncos' offensive line was superb, and they won back-to-back Super Bowls, uh-huh. okay? Don't have to say anything else but that. Nope. The Cardinals' offensive line in 1974, 75, and 76 was amazing, and they went 10-4, and 11-3, and 10-4, and they made the playoffs two of those years, Okay. Everyone talks about the steel curtain of the of the Steelers defense from the seventies, but what people don't often talk about is that offensive line. Mm-hmm. They had a really good offensive line from nineteen seventy two to nineteen seventy nine. They made the playoffs each year and won four Super Bowls. Obviously, the defense was really good, and Terry Pradshaw had something to do with that as well. But that offensive line was fantastic. Yeah. Franco Harris needed a line to run behind. I mean, hello. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the Houston Oilers of the late 80s and the early 90s. Um, let's just say they made playoffs seven straight years. Another great offensive line. I mean, come on, people. The Redskins 80s offensive line. Oh, yeah. Big time. They were. They were the biggest reason. The biggest reason. The Redskins won three. Super yeah. Bowls, literally and figuratively, in 1991. What? <laughs> literally and figuratively, the biggest exactly. reason. <laughs> I mean, their strongest outing was in Super Bowl 22 as they opened up holes for T- Timmy Smith to break the Super Bowl record for rushing yards in a game. Mm-hmm. Actually, Doug Williams was upright the time. I mean, he threw for four touchdowns in a single quarter. I mean, come on. And then this one goes without saying. I think this is one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line to ever play the game. Because the back in the day, and I don't want to say it because you're not going to be happy with it, but Uh-oh. the Cowboys '90s oh, yeah, yeah, offensive line. You're on your own. You don't have to say it, but it, it, you, that was the reason Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin all 
have Hall of Fame careers because that offensive line gave the protection to Aikman, gave Emmitt Smith the the holes to run through. Emmitt Smith's a great running back. I'm not saying he's not, but he had some massive holes to run through. And because Troy Aikman had all that time, Michael Irvin got the time to get open so Troy Aikman could find him. I mean, this okay, was Okay, I've heard enough. you got to stop with the Cowboy line. stuff. I'm starting to get upset. <laughs> <laughs> but – all I'm saying here is these teams that had great offensive lines have been super successful. You cannot argue with this. This All these teams basically make up all of the years of the Super Bowl era and the playoffs right. throughout all of these years. This is the reason you sure up your offensive line. Don't tell me, does it does it actually help? I, I think we're still going to be bad. We might not be great. It's, there's, uh, there's a, it's a new team. You put it all together, we don't know what's going to happen yet. But once they cohere and we actually find out what's going to happen, well, these, this is going to be a good thing. What we've been doing and taking the offensive line and just destroying it is not the answer. We've seen that now. We've got plenty of years that has just not been good because our offensive line has been bad. But now we're trying to Doug, Doug is uh, trying to make a, uh, a little bit of a better atmosphere when it comes to the offensive line. He told Sam Darnold's parents, I will make this offensive line better for you and for Sam Darnold. I want him to be protected. This is how we win games. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. I've said it so many times. I'm sick of saying it. But when I see people say stuff like this, yeah. it's just, I got to go on for tangent. I'm sorry. I, that's, <laughs> these are the facts. Look at everything I just said. The Oilers, the Redskins, the Cowboys, every single one of these teams had had amazing offensive lines. You can't argue with it, and they've been extremely successful. And we were already happy enough. We knew they weren't going to make a an elite offensive line with what free agents and what money they had to in the offseason. Yeah. But right. we were already happy enough with the upgrades they made to the offensive line before they drafted Mekhi Becton. So yeah. yep. uh, now we got this guy who could be an absolute monster on the <laughs> offensive line, which just shores up the rest of it because they're going to be—he's going to be able to take double teams. He's going to be able to take on the best defensive ends, edge rushers in the game, and that's just going to make everybody else even more confident too. So not only were we happy to begin with, this is going to make it that much better, and it could just be the start of, hey, hopefully another offensive lineman that sticks around for 15 years and <laughs> like a Jason Peters who just kept doing it mm. and kept doing it and kept doing it. And you're like, well, he's 36. Can he really have another good year? Yeah, he can still have another good year. That's what we're hoping out of Becton. Right. I completely, completely agree with that. Um, just one more point on the offensive line. We've upgraded it in the uh, – in the draft and in the free agency enough to where we've got guys that played on the offensive line and started last year that are backups. That is an extremely yes. good thing. Our depth at offensive line right now is really, really good. And to say that last year was absolutely horrible. <laughs> we had these guys that are backups. Now we're starting and think about that for one Little second. Uh, this offensive line can be a lot better. I might have to adjust some of my fantasy football rankings <laughs> and make Le'Veon Bell scoot up. My, I'm, I'm hyping myself up a little bit. I told you. I got him top <laughs> ten. Let's do it. 
But I think that will do it for this episode of the Backroads. So I want you to remember, please give us a little listen to uh, Fantasy Fuel as well. If you were into fantasy football, also the Backroad Fantasy Show, they do a really good job as well. And remember, if you are looking to look at the Patriots or what, see what they're doing, to see what the, the Dolphins are doing, see what the Raiders are doing, whatever team you want, this is another thing you can do. You go to the back row Patriots, back row Raiders, back row. Every, we got a lot of teams on the back row network. So please go check it out. Um, and if you got anything else, we can, you can go ahead and say it, but I think that's going to do it for us.